This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to an iFanboy special edition podcast, Green Lantern, Emerald Knights. Nights. It's like Havana nights. Nothing but one big lull. Then presto, you do a skull and find that you're reeling. She sighs and you're feeling like the toy on a string. And your heart goes ring a ding ding, ring a ding ding, ring a ding ding. How could that funny face? That seemed to be calm. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Montgomery. This is iFanboy's special edition podcast. 
For Green Lantern Emerald Knights, the latest direct-to-video release from DC Animation, joining me is Mr. Chris Niesman. Hello there. And our resident scientist, I believe an expert in philately, uh, Ryan Haupt. That's true. It is the um, study of all things chartreuse. Yes, and a, a rogue botanist as well. So um, you better bring the science on this this conversation. Um, we're talking about the latest uh, direct-to-video release from DC Animation. This is Green Lantern, Emerald Knights, and it is number <laughs> of the direct-to-video releases. <laughs> um, there's been a bunch of them. But this is an anthology movie uh, in the same vein as Gotham Knights, uh, one, of the, one of the very earliest of these direct-to-video things. Um, different chapters um, produced by different art houses. And it's not necessarily a follow-up to Green Lantern First Flight, um, although some of the character designs look pretty similar. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is you know where, whereas First Flight is an origin story for Green Lantern, um, and it it actually shows you know Sinestro being his partner and then going sort of rogue. Um, this one Sinestro is you know he's 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 on the side of good. He's on he's there 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 though there are glimpses of uh, the Yellow Lantern Corps, um, and I guess I should say spoiler alert: uh, there will be some spoilers in this conversation. Um, so what did we think of this one? Much better than the first Green Lantern movie was my, my very, my, my very first, um, uh, thoughts on it. And, um, I, I'm, a I'm, I'm a fan of the, the tales of the core, you know, collections and, and those comics. And that's what this is. It's tales of the core as an animated feature. So I, I loved it. Ryan. Uh, I think Alan Moore is going to be pissed. Well, that goes without saying. <laughs> well, yeah. And, no, but this was, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit as well. Uh, I really liked the structure. I thought it worked well, that the stories flowed into one another. Uh, it was cohesive, and the overarching plot device kind of kept it all together in a nice, neat little package. Yeah, un- unlike Gotham Knights, which is, um, it's, an an- it's an anthology movie, but Gotham Knights was sort of, it's set in sort of the Nolan-verse um, all of the Batman characters played by, uh, what's his face, by uh, Kevin Conroy. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yep. Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. Um, even, even when he looked sort of like uh, that sort of fae kind of uh, anime style. But he looked like a little girl. He, he, he did look a little weird. But, or, um, or a 12-year-old boy. And those were sort of disconnected. They, were, they all took place in sort of the same world, um, but there was no connective tissue really. Uh, with this one, there's, as Ryan said, there's an overarching story where uh, Hal Jordan played this time by Nathan Fillion. Yes, he finally has a superhero role. If, if we not. just pause and let everyone geek out for a second? <laughs> well, he was he was he was in uh he was in JLU as uh was a vigilante, uh the cowboy character. Mm-hmm. Um but anyways, this is I mean this is his first big superhero role and and uh yeah, so if he finally gets his due. Uh nice in the in the role of uh, Hal Jordan too. I think really good casting there. Um he was the wasn't he the voice of didn't he do Steve Trevor in the Wonder Woman? Yes, he did. That's right. Okay, okay. That's right. Yeah, he was, he was very good there too. Yep. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, basically he's uh, the narrator throughout, and he's telling stories to Aresia, a new recruit lantern, and she's played by uh, by Peggy from Mad Men, Elizabeth Moss, mm-hmm. uh, also Zoe from West Wing. Oh wow, I didn't even get yeah. that. Yeah, um, there's a there's, there's a really great cast here. We also Sinestro is played by Jason Isaacs. 
Um, Arnold oh, Voss. Henry Rollins, baby. Henry Rollins is Kilowog. Uh, Arnold Vosloo as Evan Sir. He's the uh, Arnold Vosloo is uh, the mummy from the all the mummy, Brendan Fraser movies. Um, Kelly Hu as Lyra, and let's see who else. Rowdy Roddy Piper as Bullfunga, the that unrelenting. Awesome. I didn't. I didn't know any of these other than Nathan Fillion, and it's kind of. I don't know. There's there's good and pros and cons to not knowing the cast when you go into it because you kind of get lost in the characters a little bit more, and then when you hear it. it Later, you're like, oh, wow, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Well, the big question was, did Bullfunga come to chew gum and kick ass? I think he did. I don't was know he if... out of chewing gum? I think, he, I think he, he came to do that, and I don't think he was prepared for what, was, what he was going to meet at the, you know, at the turnbuckle. That was a fun story. That was a really fun story. Uh, and um, original story, was that illustrated by Dave Gibbons? Yes. In the, uh, and, writ- and, and writ- written in this, in this movie... Uh, by Dave Gibbons, but he was the original illustrator of the story, right? And it was yes, written yes. by a young Mr. Alan Moore. That's right. So, uh, very cool story. It's the it's the Mogo story, and I've I read some reviews about this movie where people were complaining that you know if, even if they weren't familiar with the original story, um, if they were watching it, they felt that it was telegraphed. That it was clear that Bolfunga, the unrelenting, this crazy warlord. Um, who was going after this very uh, antisocial lantern to try and, and kill him. It was very clear uh, that uh, this lantern, Mogo, was actually the planet he was on. And um, at, uh, even knowing that, that did not hurt this sequence whatsoever. No, it, it, it's kind of the inside joke that everybody in the room, except for the one guy, knows exactly. that. What, what the joke is, so it didn't didn't hurt it. I mean, we all know that Mogo's a planet, and, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting about the that story in particular is um, the framing device for the original comic. I've actually got it open in front of me. I grabbed the, the book before we started recording. It's, it's almost exactly what the framing device for the overall movie was in that the, the story in the comic is Arissa going through the book of Oa, and finding all these old stories and Tomar Ray filling the role of Hal Jordan from the movie tells her about, you know, Oh yeah, um, there's Mogo. And he doesn't like to see Literally the line is Mogo doesn't socialize. Mm-hmm. And he tells the story of Bullfunga, the unrelenting. And it's, it's almost the exact same story. Um, and then it even, even ends with the same joke about like, maybe one day I'll tell you about the really big lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool. I, you know, as a comic fan, I love that. I love that they're being not so literal, you know, to the detriment of these stories, but they're they're mining comics and comics history to make it not just entertaining for for us, but you know, the, it's it, it's they're fun, entertaining stories. There's no problem doing that and and putting those in there. I I don't know, you know, just you know, man on the street that is interested in, in the upcoming Green Lantern movie, how much they're going to like this. But as a comic book fan, this is one of my favorites because, it, like I said at the beginning, it, it really felt like I was watching a, uh, a collection of Tales of the Core. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, that I mentioned in the, the written review on iFanboy.com is that I think, you know, I agree with you that this is this is great for comic fans, and this, there's a lot of lore that you're like, I, you know, never would have thought that I'd see, you know, Mogo. In a, in a movie, you know, on, like on Blu-ray in my home theater. It's just crazy, um, th- you know, or, th- you know, even to see, you know, characters like Abin Sir and stuff. So it's all very surreal. But um, I think this is even going to be exciting for, uh, you know, modern kids who 
are really into the Star Wars Clone Wars stuff right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a, the first story in this is the first Lantern story, and uh, this shows how the very first it, it was there was the first group of Green Lanterns, but they don't consider them the first Lanterns. The first Lantern is the one who first made a construct with his ring, and it's a bunch of sort of nobody Lanterns, really weird looking alien characters, like you know background characters from the Moss Eisley Cantina, basically um, going on this this mission against this invasion force and it's this huge like space battle um with the green lanterns out floating in space um you know picking apart these ships with their with rays from their ring not yet using constructs and we finally get to the point where one of these lanterns a a former scribe makes a sword out of like a big green broadsword out of his his lantern (laughs) energies and uh, cuts through a ship, and then the other guys figure out what's going on. They start making constructs, and they sort of lay waste to this this invasion force of, of uh, you know hostile aliens. And uh, really visually spectacular. Um, I think a step above what we normally see in the mm-hmm. you know the Tim verse animation. Um, as much as I love that stuff, but um, big they're, big awesome space battles. Yeah, I mean yeah. they're they're really playing up the you know the the anime visual style, the dynamism and stuff, and. There's some really exciting fights in here. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that one really sets the tone, um, that first story. Um, then we get some sort of more melee combat with the Lyra story, where it's like these exotic alien cultures and sort of like a like a samurai story, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Very Shakespearean. Uh, there's some ritual suicide in there. Um, and that one's written by um, uh, Eddie Berganza. Um, we should mention that like all these stories are written by some people that you probably recognize. There's there's a Peter Tomasi story in there with Kilowog. Uh, there is uh, Mark co- Guggenheim. Co- co- co-credited with my uh, my boy Chris Somney on that one. Is he really? Yeah, yeah. Chris, if you look in the credits, it was uh, I, I believe that was the Pete Tomasi and uh, and Chris Somney. Oh, that's right, and that's because it was based on a story from the Tales of the Core from the bl- from Blackest, Blackest Night. Night. Right. Okay, yeah. that's very cool. Um, yeah, and then you know we've got Dave Gibbons, as we said, um, Alan Burnett, um, and Mark it's Guggenheim. Mark Guggenheim, uh, and we should mention that the, uh, the different sequences are it's three different directors: Chris Berkeley, Lauren Montgomery, no relation, and uh, Jay Oliva, and um, uh, all doing a really bang up job. It feels the th- the thing about it is there's a, a wide diversity of stories, but it, it feels there's a there's a consistency throughout, unlike what we saw in Gotham Knight. Yeah. Um, Everything feels like it, it belongs in the same universe. Basically. Yeah, it was it was it was one big story that you know, like like Ryan said, the framing device is this much larger story, and so you get these these nice vignettes, which makes sense because Hal is is kind of bringing along the the rookie and and making her feel a little bit more at ease in, in her surroundings, which you know plays you know a, a bigger role later. Uh, one of the things uh, talking about the the very first story, the the first lantern that I that was nerding out about was. Uh, uh, I, I, I forget the character's name, but it was the it was the first lantern, the scribe, the scribe. And, and the the surprise on the part of of not just the thousands of warriors that had that had assembled there, hoping to be picked as as, as a lantern, but also the the guardians had no idea the the kind of consciousness of the rings and the green lantern force that it would seek out this scribe. 
I, I assume because of his imagination and will and which I thought was great. And then it, it kind of builds the green lantern mythos because we find out that these rings as, as the green lanterns die, the, the rings shoot off and, and find new recruits. And that, ring is the one that would eventually go to Abin Sur and then Hal Jordan which it's, I thought was it's, really it's, cool it's sort of like when you go into like 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 deep into Tolkien with like the Silmarillion or whatever you trace the path mm-hmm. of the rings and you know the prehistory and stuff and you know this apparently you're listening there's also I should mention there's a, a Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio uh, commentary on this movie and they talk about you know this first lantern story and I believe this is a new character if they said um uh, they haven't, you know, hasn't been used in the comics before. Um, this is like billions of years in the past. And just looking at the scope of the, the Green Lantern mythology, oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's really cool. Um, there were things I liked about First Flight. Um, I think they, they got a lot of things uh, uh, done pretty well. But here it's just, even if it's not Hal's story, which some people might want, um, this is really the core story. Yes. Um, yeah. And it just shows, it's sort of like getting like a, like a Jedi anthology, you know, the adventures of the Jedi or something and um, seeing for, for, all these first, different kinds of lanterns. Yeah, First Flight was the story, of, you know, we are Hal Jordan in that story. It's like, yeah. what if one of us were all of a sudden recruited into this really mysterious, bizarre uh, galactic space core it, where, you know, the tales of the core and, and this movie, it's like, no, the, it's, it, they throw you into the world and this is, this is what it is. You know, I, one of my, one of my favorite comics growing up was alien Legion mm-hmm. and because I love that, that idea of a cosmic French foreign Legion. And that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I always loved that book. And that's what, that's what the, the green lantern core, you know, at its best for me is it's, it's kind of like the French foreign Legion in, in a faraway galaxy. And this really kind of embraces that, which I, you know, I love that about it. It's a, it's a section of the DC universe that really lends itself to the anthology treatment. Right. Um, what did you guys think of, of Nathan Fillion as, as Hal, even if he did take sort of a, um, you know, background role in this, uh, playing the narrator and um, playing instead of being the, the up and comer rookie guy, he was this, this is a, a wise Hal. This is a, a more mature Hal Jordan. No, he just, he didn't really do a whole lot. He, he kind of just was there and knew some stories and was generally rather charming, but he's not really the crux of any of the particular narratives, even the, the overarching ones. So. He, he did what, what Nathan, Nathan Fillion does so well. He was a calm, relaxed, charming, you know, guy. And that's what that character was supposed to do in that story. He was supposed to, uh, get Arisia to kind of relax and and say hey this isn't you can do this and yeah and he, that was good he, yeah he has that kind of warm reassuring personality so yeah he was he was great really quick though before yeah. um before we go too far into the nitty-gritty of going back to what you were talking about just a second ago and how Green Lantern has a really nice template for doing these kind of stories I think one of the main complaints about people dropping the book lately has been I just want them to be space cops and I'm tired of the grandiose, you know, emotional spectrum and prophecy and all that stuff. If you're looking for more of a, let's watch them be space cops and do cool things. This is exactly it. Yep. 
I agree with that. I mean, yeah. there is, I mean, there is prophecy and there is like big important things happening, but it definitely has more of the, these are Green Lanterns being Green Lanterns and this is their day in, day out job. It's sort of, it's streamlined without it feeling limited because, you know, by and large, Green Lanterns, you know, you know, in and of themselves without the other kind of lanterns, the, the different multicolored, you know, lanterns, um, it's really rich and so I do agree that when you go into having, you know, as much as I, I sort of like the blue lantern sometimes and the red lanterns, and we do see Atrocitus here, although he's not technically a red lantern yet, and we do see that glimpse of, of Sinestro as a yellow lantern um, and, and the prophecy, and that's kind of a cool tease. I think this, like, goes as far as you want it to, sort of. Tom Cater said something going back a, a few years that has always stuck with me. And, and he said, I like my cosmic with a little C, not a big C. Yeah. And and what he meant from that is that exactly what Ryan was saying is that, you know, you can get into, into these cosmic outer space stories and you know, focus on the philosophy and the you know, the, the universe as a whole and into this almost like pseudo religion about it, or you can have cowboys in outer space. And I think we all, you know, it's, that's why I think a lot of people love the first three star Wars movies is that that was cosmic with a small C. And whenever they started, you know, with the midi chlorines and all that, that started to become the big C. And it's like that stuff isn't interesting. I want to see, I want to see cowboys and Indians in space. Midi chlorines are for my pool, nowhere else. They're not for my Star Wars. No, but I, I think I no, but I agree with that. And I think that one of the, the things that it's sort of the beauty of when these direct-to-video animated films work, the you know, going with this sort of the 70 minute structure that limits them sometimes. And sometimes it's a very good thing because they can't go totally balls to the wall and they have to streamline and simplify. And that's why I say like Batman, the red hood, which are under the red hood, which I think is one of the strongest of these so far. Um, that's, that one's such a, a pleasant surprise because it perfects, you know, the original comics arc, like, and it, and it gave Winnick a chance to, um, take what he sort of what flaws he found in the comic afterwards in retrospect and say listen this is how I can how I can really make this story um, a lot simpler and a, and a lot more effective and that's what they did with the film um, sometimes it's it's to the detriment of these movies that they're so short um, and they can't you know go as crazy as you can with several dozen issues of, of a comic book but I think here this is it's it's really to the benefit that they said, okay, we can do some really big stories, but we can only do these, you know, handful. I and didn't feel I didn't feel cheated at all. I didn't feel like, oh wow, I yeah. I, w- I wish that they had really expounded on Mogo and who Mogo is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like no, it's he's a it's he's a the, big fucking planet the with perfect a, amount you know, of Mogo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I didn't just feel a, like this one was short at all. Some of them, some of the movies, I felt. This could have been longer. Some right. of the movies I've actually felt this could have been shorter, and I found myself looking at my watch even 70 minutes long. Uh, but this one, I mean, you know, because it was varied, you know, like we haven't even mentioned the Kilowog kind of Poozer origin story. We haven't mentioned um, the, well, we mentioned, I guess, briefly the Abensur and Atrocitus story, which, again, that was a direct uh, adaptation from an Alan Moore story. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, there was a lot of little things going on. And even just talking about it with you guys, I'm ready to sit down and watch it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's always a good thing. My one nitpick is those are, you wanted me to do the science. Those are some noisy space battles, Paul. 
for for the vacuum of space. They are very noisy. I did notice that in the um the first lantern story. Um yeah. it's it's kind of hard to hear the dialogue sometimes. Um because the space battles are so like it's like these concussive blasts and it's very loud and space opera y and Yes. And now they, if I was writing my column on iFanboy, I mean I would just say that the ring interprets what it what the viewer sees and gives them sound to help them fight better. Yeah. But that's you know, that's kind of Right, they they can't hear fanboys whine in space. That's good. <laughs> I wish I'd like to join them. You're um, you're spoiled on the on the Joss Whedon thing of of you know Firefly having no vo- you know no volume for the the ships moving you know when they're I'm not in a space. huge yeah I'm not a huge Firefly Joss Whedon That's, fan. Okay. I guess I'd forgotten that that was even part of it. I remember it from Battlestar Galactica, right? Uh, and and from that opening scene in the uh, new J.J. Abrams Star Trek, which was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm, yeah. But um, also that's a really small sun. If that's scale of things that was going on really oh yeah we didn't even we didn't even mention corona yeah the um you know what what's one of the cool things about it is having that overarching narrative of hal jordan and sometimes sinestro um telling stories to arisia it's not just story time it's all progressing towards a big conflict in outer space involving a galactus sized corona basically and it being a very big fight and uh, so that was kind of cool well, kind of what it reminded me of it was it was a big troop deployment. So you had you had the the young troops and then the old veteran troops, and they're evacuating Oa. So you have kind of the the old timers are 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 killing time by telling stories to the to the to the rookies. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it was just you know these times in between these these big troop deployments as they're moving around preparing for this battle. So yeah. that's what they do is tell stories. It's just it's a I think it was just a very thoughtful structure for for doing yeah. this kind of movie. So Yeah, I like it. Um, and then my one last like really awesome comment um mm-hmm. is I noticed that Sinestro I was I thought to myself like I wonder if Sinestro's left handed. Like that would make sense because like Sinestro, Sinister. Um and I noticed that when he uses his Green Lantern ring, he's actually right-handed. So I was disappointed. I was kind of like, oh, man, that would have been such a nice little touch. He's left-handed when he has the yellow ring on. Ah. That's interesting. So the fear, the sinisterness, it comes through more with the yellow, and he moves it over the left hand. All right, left-handed people don't send us any emails, please. I'm left-handed. That's why I was excited. All right. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the uh, the next thing up on the docket for DC Animation. This one, we've been excited about hearing rumors about it for months and months. Uh, Batman Year One, the like definitive Batman story for uh, you know by Frank Miller and uh, Mazzucchelli, and uh, we got to see a little bit of a sneak preview um, on the DVD, and not a lot of the animation, but we did see some character designs, and they did talk a lot about uh, how directly they're going to be adapting this movie, um, and the big thing, uh, you know, Chris doesn't know the casting yet, uh, but we do. Um, Okay. Tell me. Tell me. All right. So for young Bruce Wayne, you know, like in his twenties, it's going to be Ben McKenzie from the OC, um, and uh, and was it Southland? And okay, so there's there's Bruce Wayne. That's not the exciting news. Okay, Jim. Go- good. Good. Jim Gordon is Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad. Uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, nice. And, he's, awesome. and he sounds yeah, great. Very cool. Very cool. Really so good. good. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Katie Sackhoff is going to play his, um, his, his wife, not his love interest. No, no. Is it the, the other the, woman, the other woman, the, the, they the other they're, detective. Um, they're keeping that storyline in. Yes. Wow. Um, which is one of the, which is one of the things that that's sort of, uh, been impress, impressing a lot of people is that they, they are keeping like, you know, a lot of, you know, any drug use and any, 
infidelity and stuff. And this is so. Like Catwoman is still a prostitute. Is still a prostitute, and it's uh, Eliza Dushku is playing Catwoman. <laughs> and as she says in the in the thing, she is reaching down into the depths of Eliza Dushku to find her uh, one of her bad girls to to play this Catwoman. Um, and they all, they, they all pretty much, sound, they all sound pretty good. Um, the only thing, Ben McKenzie, when he's playing Batman, um, he's doing sort of the Christian Bale thing where he's getting very gruff and it sounds a little very raspy, unintentionally funny. Um, but otherwise I think it's, it's a lot of smart choices. They, they, they stress that <clears throat> this is like the most direct adaptation they've ever done. They're pretty much using the comic as a storyboard, um, not to, uh, Enraged Gabriel Hardman by the comparison. I was gonna say I, I, hate, <laughs> I hate it when people say that, but um, I mean, I mean, no, but they're like that. basically that they're you, they're they're going frame by frame, sort of, and they're, they're doing a very literal interpretation, of um, it. lifting a lot of dialogue from it. They're they're even playing with uh, the coloring that uh, Mezzakelly used, and um, we didn't see any moving animation, but we. We did see some character designs, and uh, it you know looks pretty damn close to Batman Year One. So nice. Uh, so very excited about that one. And I do suppose that's it for this discussion of Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Thanks for joining us. Remember to check out uh, my full written review on ifanboy.com and also the great content from Brian and Chris. Uh, lots of science writing and, of course, the Don't Miss podcast uh, from week to week. So uh, we'll see you next time. My name is Paul Montgomery. I'm Christopher Neesman. And I'm Ryan Haupt. See you next time. Bell goes ring a ding ding, 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 ring a ding ding.